welcome to a special Leadership Reflections episode of the Good Listening To podcast, the show and podcast that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to be asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. And Leadership Reflections is where I wrap an episode of the podcast with its strong and established storytelling construct around you as a leader. Who are you? What's your story? And what leadership lessons learned along your way would you like to share with us? So yes, welcome to a special episode of the Good Listening To podcast. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we shall begin. Oh, yes, indeedy doody. Welcome, welcome, thrice welcome to a very exciting Leadership Reflections episode of the Good Listening To show. And please welcome an awesome six foot five Scottish man mountain in entrepreneurial flares. We'll get into why I've called him that. Russell Dalgleish. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So, Russell, um, how are you? How's morale? What's your story of the day, please? Um, everything's good. I'm here today in the um, Department of International Trade headquarters in Edinburgh. And, um, and everything seems to be good. Coming up, Roses. Now, I called you a six foot five Scottish man mountain, which, if you'll forgive the sort of slightly humorous observation, that qualifies you to be sort of a meeting place wherever you choose to stand, as in I'll see you over by uh, Russell in a few moments time. Uh, but you are um, a Scottish, you, you set up as chair of Scottish Business Network. You're a serial entrepreneur and network builder. And um, you say of your own volition in your own about profile on LinkedIn that the first thing people notice about you is the uniqueness of you. So just tell me what, ex what people generally tell you as feedback as to how they experience you when they meet you. Um, I don't think anyone actually does. I think that the, the, the term is more comes from the idea that if you were at a, a party or something or a business event and someone said, which one's Russell? What they would say is he's the tall Scottish guy over there. So I think it's more in, in terms of how to identify rather yes. than um, how it actually feels. And that was my sort of witty point in inverted commas about making you the meeting point with at the party. And by the way, talking of height, uh, do you think it gives you a sort of an advantage being tall and being a business leader, would you say? Um, I don't believe so. No, I, I think I think we're all responsible for our own presence that we create around us. So I, I think it's slightly different. So, for example, when I when I speak publicly on a stage, I tend not to smile. And that's something I have to try hard is because I understand that by smiling, it makes it easier for the, um, the audience to engage with me. But it's not a default position for me. Ah, so you, you have to flex a slightly different muzzle to remember to remember to smile more to make yourself approachable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and your smile is already cracked just there. Fantastic. Um, so um, I'm going to take you through the storytelling metaphors of the Good Listening To show. Uh, and very excited. Say, okay. And I'm very excited to have you here as well. You also talk about your, your main true passion is your why, which is helping others to succeed. If yes. I can just ask you a quick first question, um, why did you decide upon that? Was there someone in your early career that did something very um, in the same vein for you, which is why you've always wanted to reciprocate in that way? No. It's um, when I was in my um, mid-30s, I started to spend time considering 
what my purpose was. You know, what, what, why was I here on this earth? And what brought me the most joy in my life? And was it, um, was it um, power? Was it promotion? Was it accumulation of wealth? And it wasn't. It was, the, it was the, the feeling I got when I helped someone else. That was what brought, brought me greatest pleasure. And that became my purpose. And what I discovered was that unless I actually told people that was my purpose, they may be hesitant. They may be hesitant about asking me for help. So it became necessary to really start telling people. And I got a great example of that this week. I was speaking at a Lancaster House in London to about 250 international entrepreneurs. And I was on a panel and I was explaining why, why they should consider setting up their business in Scotland as opposed to elsewhere in the UK. But it suddenly dawned on me that I should say to everyone, I would like you to contact me. I, there's no point in me existing unless you ask for help. And when I left that stage, there was eight people queued up to speak to me. And I spoke to people for 70 minutes after the event. So it was very interesting that we almost have to give each other permission to engage. So um, that, that's my why. My why is to help. But I've realized I've got to encourage people to engage and to ask for help. And anyone watching this, if they think I can help them, well, drop me a note. Otherwise, I won't know. And by the way, I experienced that directly firsthand. As soon as I got in touch with you, you immediately said yes and, which, by the way, is uh, music to my own ears because I work in comedy improvisation. So the mindset of yes and and saying yes more opens up doors and windows with far more lubricated hinges in life. And you immediately started being generous about what a great format you, you told me it was and also how you look forward to helping me beyond this experience. So I directly experienced that imperative from you. Yeah. Wonderful. Excellent. Yes. And you're even giving it large for the Scottish Business Network at midnight in Chicago last night, being a digital nomad, I'm understanding. Yes, I did a presentation into a, a group of business leaders and the presentation ran from 12.15 till 1am. So that was something that it's really interesting. That was something without the technology I would never have been able to do. I would have to have flown to Chicago, but um, you can't really do much about the time difference. But it was a it was a highly enjoyable experience just because of the feedback you get. And that was called the monthly meta thinking masterclass in Chicago. Yes, and that's right. That, quite an impressive use of alliteration there as well. The monthly meta thinking masterclass. That's <laughs> so all good. And I'm glad it went well. We're going to talk more about height as well, because I've, I've also done some interesting research about. Did you know who else in the world of high achievers are also six foot five? Did you happen to know that? No, I don't No. You're we don't have a club. Well, that's that's the next networking club you can do, sort of to, to form a club with other people who can also qualify as meeting points at all networking events. It's Usain Bolt, the fastest man on the planet. Um, also, John Cleese. And then the one I was most excited about, which my son Stan uh, would love. I, I, by the way, I've got a son called Stan because of Stan Laurel. But uh, you're the same height as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, possibly the most, uh, well, the most highly paid actor in the world. Well, that's that's excellent to know that you could put the four of us, the three of the four of us in a row and we'd all be the same height. But you Perfect. wouldn't want to stand behind us at a concert, I don't think. Yes, don't sit in front of us in a concert is the main punchline from that, which is lovely. So, Russell, I'm going to get you on the open road now of a clearing, a tree. We're going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. 
a lovely juicy storytelling exercise, which actually just to blow a happy bit of smoke at the lovely Dave Stewart from Fresh Air Leadership. I actually got this exercise from him. I know he's a very uh, personal friend and strong connection of you as well. That's the 54321 exercise. Then there's some alchemy, some gold, a couple of random squirrels, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's absolutely all to play for. Energetically, everything's about to take place in the clearing or serious happy place of your choice, uh, Russell, Russell Delgleish. So my first question to you then to get you on the open road of the storytelling metaphors of the Leadership Reflections episode is, what is a clearing like for you, literally or metaphorically, Russell? So, so if I think about a clearing as a safe environment for me, I have to be quite honest in the fact that I carry it with me in my rucksack. So I, I, I have decided to take that with me wherever I go because I tend to be in continual movement and continually um, traveling. So I, I find that momentum and the geographical journey, I find that my safe place. So that's where I do my best thinking. It's where I have my best conversations is when I'm traveling. So my safe place is permanently with me. And so... You picked up your rucksack there. Are you saying your, your literal clearing is the fact you've got your rucksack on your back and you are in movement towards the next adventure? My, my, my life changed, not with the invention of the internet, but with the invention of the laptop. So when the laptop, when I got my first laptop 27 years ago, an IBM ThinkPad, suddenly I was released from the desk and I could do my job wherever I was. And from that moment, I found that to be I, I, I don't get stressed or anything. I completely relax when I'm sitting at an airport or I'm on a bus or I'm traveling by train. So that's my, my safe environment. I love that. And by the way, in the acting world, uh, one of my ancient, wise, now sadly deceased acting teachers called Rudy Shelley said an actor or traveler should never be bored because there's always people to watch. Yes. Oh, well, people watching is fantastic. When you build up the background story of the people you're watching, and particularly when you do it across the globe, it's just engaging. And I love the idea of the action towards because of an adage I like, which is, you know, the difference between what you want and what you get is what you do. It's the action towards. So the fact you love exploring, adventuring, helping and making that a global imperative is a, is a really lovely answer. No one's ever picked up their rucksack and said, this is me. I'm a traveller. I'm a journeyman. And that's my clearing. OK. Lovely. So if I may, then I'm going to arrive now with a tree in your rucksack journeymaning clearing. And we're going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. You've had five minutes to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention. And this is where the random squirrels come in, borrow from the film up. Oh, squirrels. You know what never fails to grab your attention. And then a quirky or unusual fact about you, Russell uh, Dalgish, we couldn't know until you tell us. You don't have to shake the tree in a wanna, but over to you. How would you like to interpret the 4321? Well, so, so the way I would like to do this is if you ask me each question and then I'll come up with the number of responses. I love that. So four things lovely man, that have shaped you. So around about once a decade, something pretty seminal would have happened to you to sort of craft the man you have become. So number one, I was shaped by my place of birth. So I was born in the country of Scotland. I was born in a small town of about 8,000 people, 40 miles south of Edinburgh. Um, my family has lived in that town for 450 years. And my surname, Dalgleish, is traced back to a water spout about 10 miles outside the town. 
So that is my that is my that's my not my first transitional point. My second transitional point is traveling from that house where I was born to the future. And we did this in a gold beetle. So my father decided in 1977 that he would start taking my brother and me to the cinema. Now, traveling to the cinema meant getting into this gold beetle car and then driving 40 miles up a corkscrew road all the way to Edinburgh. To add fun to the journey, my father would smoke a pipe. So about 10 or 15 miles into the journey, we would be ready to start stopping to vomit. So that was the kind of journey. <laughs> but what happened when we got to the other end is that we would arrive in a cinema, and a cinema at that stage would be a single-screen thousand-seater. And we didn't know what we were going to see because we were just going to the cinema. We knew what time it started. And in 1977, I sat down in this, this cinema and the film Star Wars came on. But this was Star Wars, not even knowing what the feature was going to be. So we watched it as a completely original story. And at that moment, I developed a keen interest in this idea of technology. So there was no technology or there was very limited technology in my life at that time. But that changed the way I thought. It encouraged me to go and find out about technology, which meant going to college. To go to college, I had to study. So the second transformational moment was that car journey to, to the cinema. And I love the gold beetle, by the way. That's such an iconic image. And also, I have to ask, did you ever give your father the feedback that, Dad, your pipe makes us want to vomit? <laughs> um, I'm not familiar with the concept of providing feedback to fathers, but I wouldn't encourage it. <laughs> so um, the, the, the third element was when I went to college, um, I had a great passion to travel. So you've got to remember, in this world, my summer holidays would not have been more than 40 miles from my house. So I would have gone to local beaches for summer holidays. Um, a summer holiday consisted at that stage, everyone listening, of going to the beach and burning off the first layer of your skin because the sun would shine on you. You didn't use suntan lotion. You just slowly peeled off this layer of skin. That's what I remember about childhood. So the third changing moment was purchasing a, a train ticket to travel for one month by train across Europe. So I wanted to see Paris, I wanted to see Berlin, I wanted to see Rome. And, and I took this young girl I'd started to go out with at college and we went on this journey for three and a half weeks by train. And that was the trigger moment for me for this, the next part of my passion, which is international work. So I have then, I've then decided to spend my entire life working and living internationally because of this passion to find out about different cultures and different worlds. So in my world, it was about bringing the images I saw on the television to life. And never can that be more true than going to places like New York. The fourth transformational moment was many years later in 2015, when I sat down with a, a lady called Christine Essen in the DIT, in the uh, Institute of Directors, lovely offices in London. And we decided to invite a group of Scottish people to an event. And that first event has now developed into Scotland's global diaspora organization of business people, which comprises 10,000 people across 76 countries. So wow. those are the four transformational moments for me, the place of birth, the experience with technology, the desire to travel, 
and then the creation of a, a global network. Because those 10,000 people are basically 10,000 mates. Also, the really wonderful observation is that going back to the source of this all, there yeah. is literally a water hole or a water bore that is your absolute where you're from, yeah. sort of almost a, a center point in the ground of, of where Russell Dalgleish has come from. And you're emanating Scotland around the world, but that's the source of it all. Yes. Lovely observations. Fantastic. Okay. Anything else you want to say about the shaping? So that was the four. Is that right? No, nope, that's correct. That. Lovely okay. answers. And now uh, three things that inspire you. And if there's any overlap, don't worry, but three things that inspire you now. The first thing that inspires me is watching someone challenge themselves. So this is taking that step into being uncomfortable. I had it most recently when a, a young entrepreneur I'm working with, Rebecca, and I, I turned to her and said, you should come with me to Tallinn in Estonia to attend a technology event. And she said, I've never been to Estonia. I've never been to a technology event. I'm going to feel very uncomfortable. But she agreed to go and she really put herself out there. And she found it a quite transformational experience. So that's number one for me, is being able to help people to have these opportunities to really stretch themselves. Um, this, the second one that's inspiring, I think, is, is human beings. So as a human being, I discovered that we can do incredible things that we would never consider being able to do. So an example would be when I was 49, a company I sit on the board of, the team decided to do a Tough Mudder event, which was a, a, a half marathon run over mud and forests and jumping over things. And I said, oh, I'll join you. That'll be good fun. So I went home and I put on a pair of training shoes and I went for a run. And I run really well. So I run the whole distance from the first lamppost to the second lamppost incredibly. From the second to the third lamppost, I was slowing down. And by the fourth lamppost, I had to stop. And I suddenly discovered that without realizing it, I'd got old and fat and unfit. <laughs> so what I did was I went on a program to train my body to allow me to take part in these events. And it culminated last year in the fact that I did, um, I did the London Marathon. So... And it's really interesting that the capability of a human being is incredible. Anyone watching this, there's basically nothing you can't do. You can run 100 miles. You can, um, you can make a speech to the UN. You can, you can do anything. This human capability we've got in capacity is only restricted by our mind. And what we've got to do with our mind is we've got to start challenging it. And the way we challenge it is people put opportunities in our path and all we have to do is to say yes. And if we say yes, it might be scary, we might screw it up, but we'll develop as a human being and we'll maximize the power of what this human body can do. And once you've done it, you can discover you can do more things and more things and more things. So I think that the second thing that inspires me is us as human beings. And I love the stretch goal there, the idea of comfort, risk, panic. We're always going to get more in life if you're risking something, stretching, stretching, stretching to extend our capability. Fantastic. The, the third thing that inspires me is probably the same for most people, which is my children. So I have um, three sons and 
my middle son was the problem child at school, no qualifications, trouble with the police, all those kind of things. And he left school at 16 and didn't want to get out of his bed. And, and he'll be watching this and I'm sure he'll recognize himself. And what inspires me is the fact that I was able, I, I couldn't help him to, to sort of develop in society or to overcome the challenges he had. All I could do was to use my power. So my power is a network. I'm very good at building networks. So I basically reached out to my network and I was brave. And I said, does anyone want some free labor? They can have my son. <laughs> so someone phoned up and said, well, we've got a golf course, Russell. I'm in Scotland. We're looking for a junior greens person. We'll take him. So they took him and I paid him peanuts. And during the first week, they had him de-ratting a blocked pipe. Now, that involves putting a rubber glove on putting your hand into the dark and pulling out dead rats, right? That's, it's not a nice thing to do. But by the end of that first week of that lad starting on a golf course in November at six in the morning, he went to work whistling because he'd found his purpose. He wanted to work hard. He then worked hard at doing that and the, 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 the golf course hired him. Then they decided to put him on a training course. Then he became a qualified greenskeeper. And then he learned from me how to say yes. So he turned up at my door and said, I've been given this opportunity to work on a golf course in Sydney as part of an exchange. And I supported him to do that. And today he's a greenskeeper in Sweden, recently engaged with a wonderful life. And that inspires me, which is because he was able to take advantage of the opportunity I put in front of him. And I have to tell you, that first job he got with the golf course, they did the best onboarding I've ever heard of a new member of staff. I'm sure we've all had this, you know, HR department's trying to onboard you and you get a laptop cover and a mouse pad. His onboarding consists of the following. His manager said to him, if you step out of line, you'll get a kick up the bottom. And that was his onboarding. And that was the best piece of advice he ever had in his life. So those, those, are, those are my three things that I, I can think of that inspire me today. It may be different things tomorrow, but um, th those are the three things that inspire me. No, wonderful, sublime sort of parental advice right in the centre of that as well. You, you talked about your endurance capability and the fact that of your own volition, you said you'd realised you'd got fat and sort of out of condition. Is the mighty deer stalker something that you've done recently or is that something in your, in your distant past? Um, I, we did it three years. So that was running up a shale hill in the pitch dark in the middle of winter. So yes, uh, yeah, done that. And was that during this period of getting fitter, the Mighty Deer Stalker? Because it's such a wonderful, the Mighty Deer Stalker. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we did the coast to coast as well, and we did other events. And I did the 4x448, which was the, uh, this year, which was running four miles every four hours for two days. And, and you, that, kept saying, you, you kept saying we there. So even doing that, you're collaborating by the sound of it. So who are the we? Yeah, that yeah, so I, I, at Christmas, I asked someone for a challenge and some, one of my um, network in Houston, Justin, phoned up and said, why don't we do this? And I went, OK. <laughs> so um, and, and it proved to be physically demanding, but emotionally draining. You know, when you're running along at three in the morning on run number nine, you know, run four miles every four hours. Yes. And um, and I was crying and I didn't know why, but you just keep going. And it's yes. really interesting how we 
how we can stretch our mental capability and emotional capability as well as our physical capability. And by the way, I love in, in sort of leadership lessons you've learned along the way, the greatest, greatest bit of onboarding is if you mess up, you'll get a kick up the backside. I think that's fantastic. Because it worked for that candidate. Yes. It wouldn't work for everyone. I'm not, I'm not saying in any way that's a piece of advice. I'm just saying for that candidate, it was exactly what they needed to hear. Now, I couldn't provide that advice. Yes. But what I could do was to, use, was to reach out to my network and ask for help. And anyone who's watching this, my one piece of advice in business that you must do is to ask for help. Ask for help when you need it. Don't sit on your own in the dark worried about something. Because trust me, we've all been there. And maybe we can just help you a little bit with a piece of advice or an introduction. Lovely. And now two things that never fail to grab your attention. This is where the two random squirrels you can see come in. Oh, squirrels, what never fails to grab your attention, irrespective of whatever else is going on for you, Russell? Opportunity. So when, when I was five years old, I was taken to a garden centre and I spotted a five pound note that had got captured in a rose tree. So it had fallen out of someone's pocket and got trapped there. Now, hundreds of people were walking past that bush but I was the person that saw the money. And, and that to me has been a core part of my life is that I continually look for that next opportunity. I continually look for that next thing to get involved in. I believe that my, my higher power communicates with me by seeing the things that I should do by positioning out there. And all I have to do is to make sure that I am emotionally and intellectually and physically looking for that next opportunity. Once I spot that opportunity, I cannot stop trying to get involved, trying to help, trying to move it forward. My most recent one is um, where I'm working with a, a gentleman, Stephen Grant, who's developed a, a brilliant um, solution for finding lost cats. So we have cats. He said, I've done this and I helped him with it. And it's been tremendous fun. But it's, it's just spotting that and and. So my job is to make sure that my brain is intellectually free enough to spot the opportunity, not I, to complete the tasks on my task list, but to spot that opportunity. I love the monumental presence of the metaphor of the five pounds snagged in the yeah. rose bush being your yeah. go to, you know, the yeah. traveller's awareness and hyper vigilance around being present. Yes. And I've even heard that couched you know, differently. I, I love that, by the way, the, the five pound in the in the rose bush in the garden centre about how, how even in the darkness, if you look around, there will be a golden thread that will pull you towards your future. There's always light yeah. there somewhere to pull if you're present to it. Lovely. So that's one thing that never fails to grab your attention. Is there a second one? That's a really, I was trying to think of a second that grabs my attention. I don't think there is. I think it, that is the one defining thing that I feel, you know, it's almost like addicted. Yes. And, you know, and I, I, you know, I've had my experience with addiction. And, and that is the one thing that um, I cannot put down. I think there's, there's another thing about communication, communicating, whereby I, I love to have the opportunity to communicate and to use narrative style or storytelling in order to get across ideas and concepts. But I don't think it, it doesn't grab my attention as much as the opportunity does. And coming full circle again, back to the source work and the sort of water hole of you, your, your complete raison d'etre, your, your golden why is the desire to help others to succeed. 
And that's really clear in looking for the opportunity with the five pounds in the rosebush. Well, it's very interesting because when we started the conversation about this podcast and you mentioned the fact that you were trying to enlarge your audience, I was in. Oh, what about America? We could do this. We could do that. We could do this. So, yes, that's absolutely where I sit. And now um, a quirky or unusual fact about you we couldn't possibly know until this moment when you tell us. So I've been very fortunate during COVID. Um, a good friend of mine um, called me up during COVID and he solved a problem that I've carried with me for nine years. So nine years ago, I, I backed an independent feature film called Cold Kill. And I ended up being the only investor. So in a feature film production, if you're the only investor, you either stop or you have to keep pouring money into it. Yeah. So after nine years, I've been trying to get someone interested in the film. And my good friend um, remastered that film. So we now, I'm now, and then we entered it during COVID into, or he entered it during COVID into a number of um, international film festivals where he received a whole raft of awards. So the one thing it probably doesn't know about me is I have an entry on IMDb and I'm an award-winning film producer. Congratulations. And again, that you were the only five pounds in the rosebush of that film by the sound of it. Yeah. Being a sole investor. <laughs> yeah, if only it had been five pounds, yes. <laughs> We have shaken your tree majestically, Russell Delgleaves. This is fantastic. So now we're going to stay in the clearing, which, as we know, just to remind uh, listeners, is, is your traveller's rucksack. You know, if you're on the move, you're happy. And now we're going to talk about alchemy and gold. When you're at purpose and in flow, what are you absolutely happiest doing in what you're here to reveal to the world? So, so just, just to come back to that one about the clearing and about the rucksack, it's not necessarily the physical thing. It's this moment. So though I'm sitting on the third floor of a building in Edinburgh with office workers round about me, I'm basically one-on-one -on -one with you. And that ability to hone in and concentrate to create a safe space that doesn't matter what else happens, I think, I think that's, the, that, that's the, uh, the clearing. So sorry, what was your question again? By the way, that's a, the most beautiful uh, recalibration of what your clearing is. Thank you. It, yeah, we're yeah. talking about alchemy and gold now. And if you'd like a little bit more explanation, it's sometimes an allegory called the diamonds beneath your feet. Have you heard that story before? No, on you go. The diamonds beneath your feet is the idea of anybody within a creative endeavor. There's an, a, an apocryphal story of, an, um, of a South African drought farmer. Now, just to be clear, he's not farming for drought, but everything around him is going to drought. And he's getting jealous because each day he's opening up his newspaper and everybody else seems to be prospecting successfully for diamonds in the rest of South Africa. So on the fateful day, he thinks, right, had enough of this, packs up his lot, sells his farm and off he goes. The first day the new owner of the farm turns up, he picks up a rock, puts it on his mantelpiece. And then a week later, a friend comes around and says, blimey, that's the biggest diamond I've ever seen. And they start digging beneath the feet. And so the diamonds are beneath your feet, provided you keep digging, is the allegory. So to use that for alchemy and gold, and you've been giving us this by the bucket load anyway, in terms of your desire to help people and further and progress them, when you're at purpose and in flow, what is it you're absolutely happiest doing? You know, what is your alchemy that turns into gold? Um, I'm not sure I want what I do to turn into gold because I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. And the idea of suddenly discovering a diamond, for example, or, or 
gold at my feet might distract me from my purpose, which is to help others. So I, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm the best one for that. Where I'm actually at my happiest is engaging my brain in an activity. So you're, I, I have to be quite honest, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't want to prepare in any way for this session. I wanted to answer the questions you asked me with complete honesty. So I'm absolutely delighted to be challenged with these questions to then try to, to drag up what I really honestly feel about the question. So when I'm happiest, I'm doing this. So we've been talking for 35 minutes and it's been an absolute pleasure, not because of the, the value of the conversation, but because I've had to think and I've been reminded of situations in my life which will probably come back and affect me later on as I think about them. So I'm at the, in my flow is doing this. It's probably verbally communicating um, and, and it's about something that involves me having to engage my brain. I, by the way, I absolutely love that qualification as well. The idea that you get distracted by looking down too much because of your height, if we can return to that, it's the idea of T-shaped leadership where you're out on the T-bar being really big, bold and majestic, sort of, yeah, you know, yeah, speaking yeah. for Scotland, if you like. So it's a T-shaped leadership right there. I love that. Fantastic. If you're going to have a vision, don't have a small vision. So, 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 so my, my vision is to bring together the entire global Scottish diaspora around the world all onto one platform and, and that's what I'll do so that they can work with each other and support each other around about the thing that interests them so so there's no there's no I don't believe there's any point in having small visions yes and you may not accomplish it but you'll have a lot of fun traveling a lot you have a lot of fun traveling I'm just going to let that float there and by the way in terms of your influence as an entrepreneur I know in one other thing I researched about you as well of which there are many that I was delighted to talk to you about you are given the accolade of being in the top 100 most experienced entrepreneurs in the UK, coming in at number 67, please. <laughs> uh -huh. so I just wondered what that meant to you uh, as, as an accolade, because it's very impressive. Well, what that meant to me was a trip to Los Angeles, because <laughs> I appeared on this list and out of the blue, an organization in Los Angeles called me up and said, would I come and speak at that event? And I reckon they'd called the first 66 people on the list until they got to me. <laughs> so I think, I think that, that was probably the main benefit. I, I don't have a lot of time for um, the, these types of accolades because they're just lists. And, you know, it's just, there's all the people out there doing so much better. But it's actually how can I use that accolade to help other people? So the speech I gave in Los Angeles actually ended up, um, I got really positive feedback from people who said, you said things I didn't think about which, after all, is, is why we communicate. And the, and the comedian in me would be thinking, you know, OK, who is at number 66? And woo, who is at number 68? <laughs> that you were sandwiched between. I know it doesn't matter. I'm just being facetious. And do you happen to remember who was number one? I'm, it, I'm just playing and riffing with numbers here. It's like the charts. Well, what was interesting was I think what they'd done is they cherry-picked the top 15. So it would have been Richard Branson and, Vic and Victoria Beckham and people like that. Yeah. And then they put everyone else on. I think they'd done it by measuring uh, social media influence or something at the time. Oh. It's a bit like it was really interesting. that The reason I accepted that award was that um, I, or I received another award at the same time, and it was for um, a, an entrepreneur who helps other entrepreneurs. And, and that was that was much more exciting. Yes. Again, coming right back to your epicentric purpose, your golden why, an entrepreneur who likes to help other entrepreneurs. 
succeed and do better with big vision. We like this. Okay, so uh, now I'm going to award you with a cake. Um, and I'll explain what this multi-layered cake is. First of all, Russell, do you like cake? Yes. So what, what, what flavour are we talking for, for your metaphorical cake? Um, unfortunately, it's not a real one, but I can send you one later. I'll have a lemon sponge. And not going for a Scottish Dundee cake, I, guess, I gather. So we're going for a lemon sponge. And now you get to put a cherry on the cake. And this is now a multi-layered cake, a final rich storytelling metaphor, where you can riff on the theme of questions like... What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? What notes, help or advice might you proffer to a younger version of yourself? And, and, and it could be a favourite leadership quote that's always given you sucker and pulled you towards your future. And then we're going to ramp up to talking about legacy inspired by Shakespeare and the seven ages of man speech, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. And I will guide you to this point, but we're going to talk about legacy and how Russell Dalgleish you would most like to be remembered. So it's deliberately extra existential at the end. So over to you. Here's a cake splotch in your face. It's lemon drizzle. How would you like to interpret your cake? I think I got a bit lost there. So, um, if, if I think about not so much a quote, but a, a moment of realization was what I did a TEDx talk eight years ago and I started watching other people giving TEDx talks. And I heard this guy, Simon Sinek, giving a TEDx talk in Singapore. And I watched it on YouTube and I found Simon Sinek's encapsulation about having a why was really life-changing for me because I think it kind of fitted in with what I was thinking, but I couldn't actually verbalize so, or conceptualize. So I think that was very important for me, was his ideas and his thinking really aligned with what I, I wanted to do. And indeed, just to um, blow a bit of extra happy smoke at Simon Sinek as well. I often think it's called Simon Sinek, which was a, 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 an ironic name for somebody who's such a motivational force. But that's why I said earlier on polishing your golden why. I've interpreted the same model as if there's a golden hubcap that you can see your golden purpose in reflecting back in your face. I call that polishing your golden why. So I love the yeah. fact that you like that, too. So crediting him then with a, a major inspiration for you as you progressed to sort of solidify and capture what it is you're um, seeking to encapsulate. And now, um, what's the best piece of advice, Russell, you've ever been given? Family first. So in every decision you make in your life, you have to put family first. So when these opportunities come along that I spot and I want to work on, I have to then fit them in with where my family is at that time. So for example, I didn't start my entrepreneurial journey really until my kids were all teenagers. Um, I, I tried to merge the, the desire to international travel to also traveling with my wife. So, so I, think, I think having that at the core that the, the, there is, so I'm selfish about my work and wanting to do my work, but my balance is I don't have other addictive hobbies. So I don't golf. I don't make things out of wood. I don't do any of those things. So I think the best advice I could give to anyone is just ensure you're putting your family first, because otherwise there's no point in doing anything else. 
And if I may ask, is your wife a sort of happy free spirit who's happy to come with you or does she just let you go off and weave your magic as, as you see fit? No, she hates it. So, um, so, 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 so our relationship consists of, since that very first interrail journey, is me spending ages slowly weakening her defences until she eventually agrees to travel with me. So it might be driving across the US or um, taking the family out to California to hire a 40-foot RV to go travelling um, or, or going to New Zealand. So she starts from the premise that, no, we're not going to do that. And then I work and work and work and work away at it until eventually she agrees to come with me. And we have a wonderful time, but we've now got this as a ritual. <laughs> and if I may then, was she the original same person that came into railing with you way back yeah, then? Uh, yeah, in 1985. Yeah. Oh, how lovely. So we've been together same, since then. Since that Euro rail experience. Fantastic. Wow. So that, that's wonderful as a bit of a, a seminal advice to us all. And then... Um, trying to think of which of the best questions i want to get to legacy but oh yes what notes help or advice might you proffer to a younger version of yourself russell none so um uh, the, the the younger version of my it would be completely wrong of me to offer any advice at all because the journey we have to travel on will involve a lot of mistakes and a lot of things going right so i wouldn't want to give them i wouldn't want to give younger russell any advice at all because that might change the journey, which has got me to where I am now, where I'm very happy and have been for many, many years. I'm just enjoying the lovely, delicious bit of silence as we just let that, let that percolate through. Beautiful answer. And now you'll see that we've got William Shakespeare hiding in the canopy of my uh, swanky backdrop. So um, I'd like you to talk now, if I may, about legacy, Russell, and how when all is said and done, inspired by all the worlds of stage and all the men and women, merely players, each man or woman in his time has many entrances and exits, his acts being seven ages. That's a slight misquote of the Shakespeare there. But um, how when all is said and done, let's talk about legacy, Russell Dalglish. How would you most like to be remembered? I have no desire to be remembered at all. So I don't, I, I want to live my life 24 hours at a time doing what I'm doing, trying to help other people. But I, I don't feel any need to end up with a headstone at the end or be remembered. I just, I, I, I think I have this, this period of time on this earth from birth to death, and it's divided into 24 hour slots, and I'll try and make the most of each 24 hours. But when my time comes to an end, that's fine. I just want um, that the, the world can go on and do what it wants to do. I have no desire for a legacy at all. By the way, I sincerely love that answer too. It reminds me of the Hamlet line, the rest is silence. As this has been your moment in the sunshine, we've done the clearing the tree, the alchemy gold, cheeky bit of Shakespeare, a couple of random squirrels and a cake. As this has been your moment in the sunshine, is there anything else, Russell Dalgleish, Scottish serial entrepreneur, six foot five Scottish man mountain in entrepreneurial flares, is there anything else that you'd like to say about being here? What, what I would like to do is to say to anyone who's watched this and thought they couldn't appear on your show, I want them to reach out to you because I think they're exactly the people that would probably be the most interesting for you to interview. So I will, I will nominate two or three people 
And if you've watched this and enjoyed it, why don't you nominate two or three people as well? Your generosity is such that it just keeps on giving, Russell, I am noticing. Thank you. Um, where can we find out more about uh, Russell and obviously your principal managing partner of Exalta? Now, where can we find out more about you on the internet and how can we connect with you if we'd like to? And I'm sure we would. What I do is I, I, I use LinkedIn in a rather unusual way. I, I use it as a newspaper where I'm both the editor and the proprietor. So if you, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll be able to see other things I've done and things I'm talking about. And you can also contact me quite quickly through LinkedIn if there's something I can help you with. And if I may, you are a trailblazer of being a rapid response unit. You got back to me almost immediately. Dave Stewart put us in touch with each other. You immediately got back in touch and said yes. So um, you're very, very approachable. Uh, and I'd just like to tell you that. And indeed, it's it's very majestic what you have achieved. And I, I love your absolute epicentric polishing your golden why to help others to succeed. And I've experienced I'm experiencing your generosity even speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching the lovely Russell Dalgleish. Do connect with him on LinkedIn. I've been Chris Grimes. This has been the Good Listening To Show, the story behind your story show. Not so much Grimm's fairy tales as Grimes story tales. And um, Russell, thank you so much. Russell Dalgleish, it's up to thank you now. You and anything else you'd like to say? Good night, everyone. The rest is silence. You've been listening to the Good Listening To Show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye. So, Russell, we've just uh, given you a good listening to in a special Leadership Reflections episode of the Good Listening To podcast. Could I ask for your immediate feedback? What was that like being given a good listening to here in this context? It was great fun. It's, um, I enjoy the challenge of trying to come up with the answers. So because it forces me to, to reflect, which is always good fun. Lovely. And anything else you'd like to say about the experience you've just had? An incredibly pleasant experience, and um, I, I look forward to, to listening to future shows and catching up on some of your back catalogue. Of which there are about 120 episodes. Thank you for mentioning my back catalogue. <laughs>